0: There is coming a day When no heartache shall come No more clouds in the sky No more tears to dim the eye All is peace forevermore On that happy golden shore What a day, glorious day That will be What a day No more burdens to bear No more sickness, no pain No more parting over there And forever I will be With the one who died for me What a day, glorious day That will be What a day that will be When my Jesus
1: Well, amen. Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn over to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, this morning we began in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And as you make your way to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I'll recap very quickly what we spoke about in 2 Timothy. But we noted that the Apostle Paul spoke to Timothy and, of course, shared with him the reality that perilous times shall come. Difficult times will certainly invade our space of comfort, so to speak, and we might as well just prepare for it and be ready for it. We saw the reason for that was, uh, the reason for these perilous times would be mankind's, (coughs) excuse me, mankind's own doings, excuse me, mankind's own doings, and uh, we said that, we basically said that uh, you know, you and I are the masters of our own death, demise. In many cases, we uh, follow through with our the lust of our flesh and so many different aspects of sin in our life, and the the atomic nature that it provides or ultimately brings forth these types of um, situations. And so, it's a problem. It's not God's fault that we have the mess uh, that we're in. The mess we're in, it's our fault. And uh, so, we saw the reality, the reason. We said the result. You know, of course, folks would be deceiving and leading others astray. We said folks would be learning, but never coming to the truth. And that's a problem. A uh, spirit of defiance toward authority and the word of God would persist. And uh, just men would be of corrupt minds and ultimately disregarding, totally disregarding faith in anything uh, good. And so <clears throat> these are all results of, of this uh, these perilous times and men's hearts. Uh, and so, you know, the Apostle Paul made it very clear, you know, he said, "Listen, you've looked at my life. You've checked me out. You've seen where I'm at. Uh, you've noted what I've done in the, with the Lord's help. <clears throat> and as a result of that, and as a result of that, you know, um, I want to encourage you to continue in the battle and to keep fighting the fight, not to give up or uh, on God or give up on yourself, even in that regard. And uh, you know, he noted that God didn't give up on him. And so, anyway." As we moved forward, we saw that he kind of summarized everything and kind of brought it all down to uh, the fact that <clears throat> we're running a race. And as a result of that, there's going to be some—it's going to be difficult at times. So let's begin there in 1 Corinthians um, as he ap- writes this letter to the Corinthians, summarizing basically that thought that we had already touched on this morning. <clears throat> he says over here in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all... But one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Every one, every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now, Because I have a little extra time uh, as a result of kind of continuing this uh, message, I, I do want to bring out very quickly <clears throat> the fact of the, the race here, this, this point of this race. He says so really quickly, he says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. Aren't you glad we're not running against each other? <clears throat> we don't run against each other. Now, that's, that's the one thing we need to be very aware of in this race that we're running. Uh, this isn't about me running against you, you running against me. One of us receives the prize. That's not that's not what it's about. Okay, so you can receive the prize, I can receive the prize because we all have a race to run. Okay, and now now those have that race has parameters. Obviously, uh, there's always a course that has to be run, and then there's a finish line, and and we're to run to win, but but we don't run against each other in that regard. We're running against, in a sense, kind of our own flesh our own selves and god has a plan for us and god has a purpose for us so you don't have to measure up uh, to someone else you don't have to live up to that expectation you need to live up to god's expectation now god's expectation is often more is greater than ours is sometimes and then other times we put more on ourselves than god even does so you have to be careful with that too but i'm glad today that when i run the race that god gave me to run I don't have to compare myself to some other person I compare myself to the race God's given me I allow that race or that that outline that God gives me that purpose and plan for my life that God gives me I look at that and I say now how am I measuring up where am I at am I on the sideline am I looking uh, onto the field of play and sitting on the sidelines or am I actually in the battle and if I'm in the battle and in the race am I running to win or am I just simply making you know just getting by you know so I think that's important to note. Now we said in this passage that Paul likens the Christian life to a race, as we said, and it was obvious. And so we talked about the Corinthians and how they could certainly identify with this truth and this picture because, of course... Just outside their city was a track, and just outside their city were games that were held, and they were extremely important games, very, very uh, popular games. And so <clears throat> they knew exactly what the Apostle Paul was dealing with when he talked about running this race. And we said that running the race is going to demand some things in our lives. Obviously, we're going to have to train. That means it's going to demand some self-control and self-denial. And, and that's something that we're not comfortable with sometimes. Sometimes. You know, um, let's be honest. It's a lot nicer not to be sometimes... Well, put it this way. It feels like it would be and seems like it should be uh, more convenient and more comfortable to be undisciplined. Now, notice I said it seems like it should. It's not really. The most miserable people in the world are people who are lazy. People that can't get out of bed when they should get out of bed, that can't follow a schedule. They can't discipline themselves in their life in their physical life or with their spiritual life they're miserable people miserable. and and you know somebody says well i just want a life of leisure that's a miserable life you ever notice about football players and other f- professional athletes isn't it funny how the ones who actually do well have some kind of profession after they get out of the sports it's it's not the ones that just retire it's not the ones that just get out and say i've got millions of dollars so i'm gonna play golf every day i'm just gonna get up whenever i want eat whatever i want do whatever i want no, they, they have purpose in their life. You know, we all need purpose. Because, see, God made man to succeed in things. God made us to 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 go forward in things. God's not... We weren't made to sit and do nothing. We were made for His glory and His pleasure. And we're to be doing something. And as a child of God, obviously, you, if you're doing nothing, then you will be extremely miserable. <clears throat> and so would I. So. These, this, this training that we're going to have to do in our own spiritual life is not always easy. You know, study is weariness to the flesh, the Bible says. There's an element here where self-denial and, and self-control are desperately needed if we're going to truly run the race to win. Now, again, any athlete knows that it's going to cost them something. You know, their body has to be uh, in shape. Their lungs have to be in shape, as we noted. I mean, just every aspect of their being has to be on track. And even their diet... And their time and energy has to be focused. And it's just such a, it's a burden at times. It becomes very burdensome to ultimately succeed in a race. But if you want to win the race, <clears throat> you really want to run to win, then it's going to require some self-discipline. And spiritual discipline is something we lack in our, our churches and, most importantly, we lack in our lives. We really do. We, need, we struggle with that. Um, we, we are very... Um, <clears throat> a society of convenience. And, and so we need to be very careful that we don't fall into the trap as Christians to, to somehow believe that we can read <clears throat> Christianity for Dummies books and get it all in one reading. That we don't think somehow that, you know, we can read the how to be a good Christian in, you know, 30 days or less. It, that doesn't work that way. It is a, it's a lifelong process because it's a lifelong race it's a constant training a constant preparation <clears throat> some of you young people will go go are in school and how long do you have to go to school brother chase how long <clears throat> to what age will you be when you get out of school 23 24 for you probably <clears throat> <clears throat> no 18 right Okay, if you started at 5, and you get out at 18, let's just say there's between 12 and 13 years of school. Let's just make it simple, okay? Think about that for a minute. You're preparing for life. You're going to spend 12 to 13 years, if not an extra four years in college. So let's just add tack another four years. Now you're looking at, let's just make it easy. Let's make it 16 years total. 16 years of preparation. For a career that will last probably 30 years. So now you're spending literally 16 years of your life in school full time to prepare for 30 years of your life. Now when you think about that, now let's add it up. Okay so 16 years and you're going to go nine months a year we'll say and you're, you're going to put in six to eight hours a day. Well, you're six to eight hours, and then when you get to college, it's not always that much. But you're still studying, so you're going to have to six to eight hours, either way. So five days a week, that's 40 hours a week times 36 weeks times 16 years. wonder how many hours that would be of study and preparation. All I'm saying is, is that when it comes to our Christian life, we're lucky to pick our Bibles up and read them for 10 minutes. When it comes to Christian life, it's it's not that often that you find somebody that even knows what studying the Bible is. I mean, When's the last time you looked up a word that you were reading, you saw it in the Bible, and you went, I don't know what that word means, I'm going to look that up. I mean, we don't even go that far usually. I mean, how much time do we really spend memorizing the Word of God? Um, How much time do we spend reading books about the Word of God? Not books to make us feel better. Not that those are wrong. we got a lot of feeling books today. You know, well, you know, you're struggling in your marriage. Here's how you fix your marriage. Well, you're struggling in your walk with God. Here's how you fix your walk with God. Have you ever read a book, ever read a book that just helps you understand the Bible? So those are boring books. Those are doctrinal books. Do you realize that the Christian life is about doctrine? Because, see, doctrine demands discipline in your life. And so it's very difficult. You're going to come to the new members, uh, not the new members, but the, uh, the discipleship classes. You're going to learn doctrine. You're going to be asked to memorize scriptures. You want to know why most people never finish those courses? Because it takes discipline, it takes work. That's just the reality of it. It's kind of discouraging, really, for those that are trying to do the discipleship. Those that are trying to lead them or help them. Because they start and then they don't finish. Why? Because it's too hard and then we wonder why we fail in our Christian lives. <clears throat> Paul's saying to Timothy, and he's telling all the others, he's telling us today. He's saying, this race, you need to run it to win. And if you're going to do that, you're going to have to deny yourself some things. You're going to have be a little uncomfortable. You're going to have to train a little bit. You're going to have to put forth some real effort if you really want to succeed in the battle. If you really want to race to win. <clears throat> and so... We find ourselves at that point where it seems like as a believer, sometimes it just overwhelms us, the race, not just the preparation, not just the training, but then just going through the whole ordeal. I mean, just everything, as we said, our world, our culture, our society, just the disappointments that we face in life on a regular basis. And we say, man, this is difficult. This race is really not easy. Sure, times are tough, and without a doubt, life can be difficult. But that's what a race is all about difficulties. And we know there's going to be plenty of sweat, we know there's going to be a number of difficult times and much toil spent on the track. But when we come to the finish line, and we draw closer to the end, I want to encourage you to push even harder. I mean, I think we're coming to an end in some respects. I mean, I'm 52 years of age. How long do I have left? I don't know. I mean, you say, well, I hope you have plenty of time left, preacher. I do too. In that regard, you know, as I'm going now, if my pain level was at a 9 or a 10, I'd probably be praying to go home tomorrow. I mean that. I'm not trying to joke with you. I'm a big baby. <clears throat> but the fact is, is that I hope I've got plenty of time, but we're not guaranteed tomorrow. I mean, our finish line could be tomorrow. Because let's face it, the finish line, every race has a finish line. And you're running your own race, so guess what? Your finish line is somewhere out there. So's mine. It's not the same spot. We can't put a date on the calendar and say that's the day that the race ends. Unless Jesus Christ returns and none of us know the day or time, then the fact is is that if he doesn't return, then we have a date out there somewhere where the finish line is. It's out there. And and if not, then he says it's time to finish the race. It's over now. But let me tell you this. I, I feel like the closer we get to the finish line, The, the, the more we ought to push ourselves. My dad taught us kids when we were younger, he used to tell us, he'd say, now listen, when you're going to run a race, you get up there and you see the finish line. If you can see, when you can see that finish line or you know the end's coming, you just push it that much more. You just run even harder than ever. You just put forth more effort than ever. And I mean to tell you, you know as well as I do, when you've ran a race, especially if it's a mile or two miles, like say in the military where you have to run two miles just to qualify to be in the military, and you're running that two miles, and I mean to tell you, you're pushing yourself, and you get to that last quarter mile or that last... An eighth of a mile, and you see the finish line down there, and you start running as hard as you can. Your, Your heart is pounding out of your chest, your muscles are burning. I mean to tell you, you're breathing like a racehorse. Your side may even start hurting. Let me tell you, it's not easy to push yourself at that point. But that's exactly what we need to do in the race that we run today, in the Christian race. We are that much closer to the finish line today than we were yesterday. And we are that much closer to the finish line than we were last week. And we're that much closer to the finish line than we were a month ago. Let me tell you, we're coming to the end. It's time to push ourselves if we truly want to win the race. So we can't afford to quit. We can't contemplate retreat. We've got to finish the race. Not only are those folks watching in heaven, but there are those watching on earth. And, you know, our lives are living proof of the reality of God and His goodness. It's so important that we stay in the race, that we keep fighting, that we continue to strive. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. 1 Corinthians 15.58 Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? For as much as ye you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You're not wasting your time running this race. You're not, you're not losing or missing out on anything. <clears throat> I tell the story often. My dad told me the story. And I hope I have it right. I may have it wrong. But... Um, I remember my dad telling me that my uncle was offered an opportunity to be a part of a business years ago It would have cost him a thousand dollars That was just a lot of money in the day And that was a number of years ago, maybe back in the late 50s, uh, early 60s And so he was given an opportunity to be a part of a a, a pizza chain And ultimately they did very well in the Akron area, did extremely well But the fact is, is that he didn't have the money, he had a family He just couldn't bring himself to make that kind of sacrifice And as a result of that, he never made any money Hey, it costs something to truly succeed. And you know what? In this race, you're going to be asked to give more than you think you've got. And if you give it, one day in heaven, you will never regret it. Because I'm telling you, up in heaven, God's keeping track, and it's just going cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. And somebody says, Well, I, I don't serve for the reward. You're crazy. You're nuts. Why would God tell us that there are rewards to gain by being faithful in service if he didn't want us to get those and strive for them? Why does, why does the, he have the Apostle Paul use these types of illustrations of winning a race or fighting a fight? Why would he have us do that if there wasn't a point to winning it? to running the race to win, to, to ultimately gaining the prize. Why would not? Why would he talk that way? Why would he insinuate those things? Why would he want us to go, well, you know what, I'm just, I'm just all about running the race. Without Whether I win or lose it don't matter. And that's the problem with our society. That seems to be the problem today in our sports systems, down in our little kids' leagues, where everybody gets a trophy whether they put forth effort or not, whether they win or they lose. It don't matter. Everybody's a winner in our culture and our society. It doesn't matter whether you work hard or you don't work hard. Who cares? Everybody wins. There's something wrong with that. Somebody says, well, that's why I don't like you Baptists. Because you guys, just everything's black and white. You know, we're changing. This culture's changing. Yeah, but God's not changing. Everybody, you won't win the race unless you put forth that kind of effort. You've got to put forth that effort. Keep fighting. Keep striving. Don't worry about it. Just keep laboring for God. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And here's what I want you to understand in the long run. No matter how tough it gets, no matter how difficult the race is, no matter what obstacles you have to face, it will end one day. It will all be over. One day, you will cross the finish line. Winner, loser, doesn't matter. You're crossing the finish line and so am I. This isn't forever. The burdens that you bear are not forever. The heartaches that you feel are not forever. The difficulties you face are not forever. The sacrifices you make are not forever. The going without, whether it be finances or physical health or, or whatever it might be, is not forever. Because there is an end to this race. There is a finish line you and I will cross. And just like there's a finish line for every race, we will cross that finish line. The battle will be over, and there are some things at that point we will really be able to enjoy. To some degree, we can't really enjoy sometimes here. And I want to give you three of those things that you can truly enjoy and that we're going to be able to do. It's going to be awesome. Let me give you those three. Before I do, let's pray. Father, we come to you. Help us in these next couple of minutes. Help us to realize what it is that we're going to be able to do then that really right now can be kind of difficult under the circumstances we find ourselves And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for it. In Christ's name, amen. First of all, what are we going to be able to do when we cross the finish line? When the race is over. Well, when the race is over, then we can rest. Then we can rest. I know it sounds crazy and you say, well, that's nuts. I mean... No, then we can really rest. No, I I understand. And and again, somebody, some, uh, you know, and and you'd be right. Somebody that knows the Bible says, well, wait a second. You know, God gives us the ability and the opportunity today, right now, to put our swords uh, in the sheath. To rest. Well, yeah, to rest in one sense. But remember, we can put the sword in the sheath, but you can't lay the sword down right now. You, You can't lay the sword down. Now, you can see it. you can get that rest meeting with the Lord. The Bible is very clear in Psalm 91.1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. Psalm 57.1. Yes, indeed, we can find a rest in the very presence of Christ today as we meet with him intimately and personally every day. However, you're only putting it in the sheath. You're not setting it down. You're not laying it down because there's still a race to run and there's still a battle to fight. How many times have we watched people that have named the name of Christ, that love the Lord Jesus, that have gone forth like gangbusters when they first trusted Christ and received the Lord, and boy, they were on a, a, a terror run. I mean, ripping up Satan. and sh- I mean, would charge hell with a squirt gun attitude. But then all of a sudden, we don't even know where they're at anymore. They've not only sheathed the sword, but they've laid it down. They've just given up on the race and given up on the battle because it got too tough. And it isn't easy. It includes dealing with people with attitudes. It includes going to a place sometimes that isn't perfect because it's comprised of a people that are not perfect. It's about going out there and into the community and standing for something that you believe in. The Word of God and the truths of the Word of God. The principles that we stand on. It's not easy to stand up at your workplace. To stand in school. To continue to raise the banner high in our culture and our society. That is difficult. But we cannot lay the sword down. We cannot give up on the race. We can't sit on the sideline. we got to stay in the race. Amen. Amen. The Bible, in the Bible we find a word that pops up 75 times, this word does. And you talk about rest. We have a rest that awaits us one day. A wonderful rest the word is used three times in the book of Habakkuk. It's used 72 times in the book of Psalms. It's a word called Selah. You ever been reading the book of Psalms and you run into Sila? And you're thinking, that's a dumb word. I don't even know what it means. Well, let me help you with Sila. I've known people named Sila. I wouldn't say it was a dumb name then. But anyway, the word selah stands for a break or a pause. A rest. See, see uh, you know, <clears throat> when you see Selah in the songbook of the Bible, the book of Psalms, it points us to the millennium, that rest. That's what the millennium is. It's a rest. And it reminds us that there is a tremendous day of rest that's coming for us. Every time I read through the Psalms and I see that word, I think, millennium, millennium. And there's a day coming when the rest we'll have a rest. We're going to be able to take a pause. We're going to take the break. Finally, we're going to be able to lay the sword down. Finally, we're going to be able to, to finally rest. And that's exactly what's going to take place. I mean, we, we find that Christ will rule and reign on his throne on the earth. And, and seeing that he is the Prince of Peace and he is on earth, then there'll be a rest like never before. You say, yeah, but it's, it's still going to be dealing with people. and that. Yeah, I know, but we've got him, and we'll be in his very literal presence. I mean, there will be nothing that will be... What's going to bother you? I mean, it's, it's kind of like when I was a kid, you know, and uh, um, you know, you know, somebody threatened me, but my dad was standing right next to me. I'm thinking, you've got to go through him to get to me. You've got to go through my dad. You know, nobody was tougher than your dad. You know what I mean? Dad's the toughest. We, we used to have those arguments when I was a kid at school. Whose dad's the toughest? But the fact is, is that my father in heaven, he, there's nobody, nobody more intimidating. There's nobody more powerful than him. And you know what? When I, we're in that millennium, we're going to be able to rest. You can lay down the sword then. Whenever that you cross that finish line, whether it's in death or whether it's in the rapture, you'll be able to lay down the sword. And ultimately, for a thousand years, we're going to rule and reign with Christ. And we're going to certainly be at rest. And we're going to be able to say, Woo, I'm glad I ran the race to win. Yeah. Right? Amen. Oh yeah, we'll still be active. But we'll not be burdened down with the stress that we carry and experience now. And let's face it, life can be stressful. Oh, I know we're to be careful for nothing, that at everything in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God with past all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I understand that. Fret not, the Bible says. I understand the directive we've been given, the commandment we've been given. But let's be honest as human beings, if we're not if we're not very very conscious of this reality, we will fret and we will worry and we will be consumed even with grief at times. Oh God, help us today to not worry about things we cannot control. But the truth is we do sometimes. And that day we won't be concerned. We won't have to carry that weight, that burden. Oh, we'll still labor, but it'll be joyful, even as Adam's labor was joyful in the Garden of Eden before the fall. Remember, he was there to dress the garden. Boy, Adam worked in the garden. He he lived in the garden. But it wasn't until the fall came that ultimately he had to work and and provide by the sweat of his brow. You don't hear him, sweat of his brow? I don't remember reading that before the fall. That means that labor was pleasurable. Pleasurable. And you know, really, if you work a good day's labor and you've got the health to do so, there's, a, there's something about that, isn't there? Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? I'll be honest with you. Uh, some of you guys whine and cry about actually physically working. Let me tell you something. You sit in an office for 8, 10, 12 hours. You go ahead and do that every week, week in, week out, week in, week out, week, month in, month out, year in, year out. L- tell me how it affects your body, how it affects your mind, how it affects you. Let me tell you, I think that one of the problems we have in our culture is that we're not active enough. We talk about obesity and we need our president's wife to do something to help the country because we're so obese. No, we just need to get off of our seats and get out in the outside. It'd be good for some of your kids to actually go outside and play. Amen. That, that, that would really be helpful. And you know what? The sun won't kill them. I'm about tired of all the, you know. Don't drink this and don't drink that. Don't eat this. Don't eat that. Are you kidding me? See, God made the sun and he knew we'd actually be out in it. Okay, let's see. What anyway I, I don't okay, so wear clothes. That clothes what a novel idea. <laughs> wear clothes. That's a good idea. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying I but nonetheless, I mean it's joyful. It's a joyful thing to work. Man, you get up there at the the new building and you work hard and you come home, you're a little sore. I don't like the sore part, but boy, I feel better when I've worked hard. You know, I I still feel better. I like it. It's good. Gets everything flowing again. Gets everything moving again. Man, you know, you don't need as much fiber when you're working hard. You just (laughs) keep on going. Sherry, is it time to insert that joke? (laughs) No? (laughs) No? Okay. Singles? What do you think, singles? Do you remember it? Who who was there? Who remembers it? Who remembers the joke? Do you remember it? Okay, stand up and tell it. I don't want to say it from the pulpit. My wife would say that I was being heathenistic. Go ahead, stand up there. So you remember it? Go ahead, say it. It's loud, really loud. Why is diarrhea hereditary? It's flowing through your genes. I didn't say it, okay? I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Yeah, I, I didn't say that, okay? So when the, race is, when the race is over, we can rest. We can rest. Not only when the race is over, can we rest, but when the race is over, we can reminisce. Reminisce. Recently, my brothers were in town, and um, I had the opportunity to kind of get with them and to sit down with them, talk, enjoy some fellowship with them. Boy, I'll tell you what, boy, it doesn't matter. You get around folks you know, especially from your childhood. Guess what? All the old stories come up, don't they? Amen. You know, and some of those stories would be left better, uh, they'd be better off buried. But uh, some of those stories come popping up and say, like, remember when this and remember when that and man, you sit there and you laugh and you joke, you have a good time in remembering, reminiscing. And you know, my brothers have tremendous memories. Uh, I, they, they remember things that I have, I guess, tried to forget. But nonetheless, they have remembered things. And boy, I'll tell you what, they just story after story after story and Wow, I don't know. It's, it's just getting together is awesome and it's fun and it's just a wonderful thing to get together. And um, isn't it amazing how one memory can trigger another? One story and you go, oh yeah, oh, remember? Boy, just one thing after another. Can you imagine? The Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 8 verse 11, it says, And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that something? That kingdom of heaven is a physical kingdom. You know what that points to, don't you? The millennium. There's going to be a day in that millennium where we're going to gather with Old Testament saints, not only our friends and our loved ones here on earth that we know personally, but we're also gather with those of the past that have had had seen God work and have watched Him move and have experienced His joy and His His just His power and His glory. And man, I mean to tell you, we are going to reminisce and remember stories of our days working and striving and living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, listen, I'm going to tell you something. I want some good stories to tell. I don't know. I don't think mine will ever match Noah's, but I want to have some stories to tell of God's mercy and God's grace. I mean, we're going to get together one day. Not only are we going to be at rest, but we're going to be able to reminisce. We're going to be able to take the time to really fellowship and to sit for long periods of time enjoying one another and then go out and play a round of golf and have a perfect score and, and, and all the good stuff that goes with it. But the fact is we'll reminisce and have a great time rejoicing with one another, fellowshipping with one another. Years ago, we had a, a very sweet and a very faithful member of our church that went home to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And for her funeral, she requested that I sing a particular song uh, that I, I had never heard. I had never even heard it. Um, her name was Louise, and she, she asked me to sing this song. And since then, the song's kind of special. Every time I hear it, I think of her. You know, I just can't help it because I'd never even heard it before. But listen to this song, and it kind of sums up this idea of this this opportunity to fellowship and to to, um, reminisce one day. It goes, There will be a happy meeting in heaven I know. When we see the many loved ones we've known here below, gathered on the blessed hilltop with hearts all aglow, that will be a glad reunion day. And the chorus goes, A glad day, a wonderful day. Glad day, a glorious day. There with all the holy angels and loved ones to stay. That will be a glad reunion day. Well, we got a glad reunion day ahead of us. Amen. And I mean, that's when we can lay the sword down. That's when we can really rest and relax. When We can ultimately fellowship and reminisce with one another like never before in that day. And then finally, number three. When the race is over, then we'll really be able to rejoice like never before. Oh, I know we can rejoice now. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we can't. The Bible says in the book of Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. But I'm going to tell you what. It's a lot easier to rejoice when there's no burdens. It's going to be a lot easier to rejoice when there's no, no, no heartache. I mean, it's just going to be... I mean, you talk about rejoicing. It's going to be all... Out all loose man it's gonna be crazy revelation chapter 19 turn there if you would please chapter uh, chapter 19 verse 5 in the book of revelation of course we have John on the Isle of Patmos that is seeing these things as they're taking place he's it's as though he's standing off in a corner of the universe and looking down on the earth and he's seeing it as it's taking place and he's recording it for us and he says and the voice a voice verse 5 chapter 19 verse 5 and a voice came out of the throne saying Praise our God, all ye servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, "Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth." Let us be glad and rejoice, and give honour to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Man, that's a that, that you know that's talking us talking about us. We've made ourselves ready. There's going to be such great rejoicing in heaven one day. There's going to be such great rejoicing when we've been able to lay the sword down. We've been able to fellowship with the saints of old. There's going to be such rejoicing when finally the burdens and the cares of this life are all passed away. Right now the Lord says, let the dead bury the dead. But there'll be no more death then. Boy, there'll be rejoicing, won't there? The Bible tells us so many things. And we have so much to look forward to. I mean, all the shouting and praise that we enjoy down here is really only a prelude, only a warm-up for what's coming one day in glory. I mean, when the race is over, we're going to rest. We're going to reminisce. We're going to rejoice like never before. When our faith is no longer needed, You say, faith? No, that's right. You won't need faith anymore. Because, see, faith is the evidence of things hoped for. I mean, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Guess what? You won't have to look for Jesus. He'll be standing right in front of you. There'll be no need for faith. You'll be living by sight then. Ecclesiastes Solomon shares a list of times. Turn there if you would, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 2, 2 through 8. Notice this list of times. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 2 through 8, a man that sought everything that any other man would seek. He had every opportunity, every availability, I mean he had everything at his disposal And when it was all said and done, he said, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. And in the end, he said in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, that fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. Anything else you pursue outside of that is wasted time, wasted effort. That's what he's saying. Wasted. It's empty. It's vain. There's no substance to it. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 2 through 8. A time to be born, he says. There's a time to die. A time to plant. A time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to Lose. Lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love. A time to hate. A time to war and a time for peace. You know, on earth, there's a time for many things. But in heaven, when we've laid our weapons down and we have found eternal peace and rest, there will be a time of rejoicing like never before. Amen. That's going to be good. Revelation 21 4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. You know, no matter, what, no matter who you are today, the one thing that we can agree on is that we hate death. Death separates us from our loved ones. Death hurts our hearts, makes life so difficult, and obviously, death is a result of a physical body that's breaking down in most cases. So it's all kind of just put together. It's a mess. We got a mess today. This life, if this is the best it gets. And, and again, when you're young, let me tell you something, man. Just enjoy life. Enjoy it when you get older too. They can't. What's the point of not right? But the fact is, is that while you're young, enjoy the health you have. Enjoy the opportunities you have. Make most of every opportunity. As you get older, you'll realize that bodies break down and that you don't have as much to look forward to as you did then. You'll find that if you're not completely and totally consumed with Jesus Christ and His Word, you will be hopeless. See, young people as a whole aren't as hopeless as older people. Because young people have something to look forward to. Older people have lived their lives, made their mistakes, and realized that maybe it's too late to do anything about it. Unless they're faithful in this book and faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, then they never lose hope. Because there's always something we should be doing. Why? Because the race never ends till we cross the finish line. But the truth is, is that most people get discouraged i read a statistic not just recently about uh, how, how um, and I can't remember this exact statistic, but it had to do with, with elderly people losing their license. You know what they lose when they lose their license? Hope. They lose hope. Because, see, that's such a big part of our life. Man, let me tell you something. If we're, running the race isn't really our goal and our desire, we'll find we'll run into a time in our life when we have no hope too. Well, we, ha- we have to realize we have a purpose. And it, it goes. that purpose continues all the way to the finish line. I don't care if you're 90 today, and, like poor Mrs. Beachy, and she, she might be watching tonight. She, she can't be in church. She wants to be in church. She can't be. If she's not careful, the devil will tell her she's a failure. and She's a big zero. That's not true. She's still got to run a race. And until she crosses the finish line, she's still in it. And there's still not only hope, but there's purpose for her existence. And that's the point we have to keep in mind, that there is a race to run. And the fact is, is that once that race is over, once we've crossed the finish line, then it's time to rest. Then we can reminisce, and then we can rejoice like never before. Yes, we're going to face some perilous times, for without a doubt, running the race is going to require some self-control and self-denial. But all this will one day pass away. It'll come to an end. And when it does, then we'll rest. So until that day comes, let's stay in the race and not just run it, but run it to win. Run to win. And God will bless you for it in the end. Father, we come to you.